Hi, I'm your host, Connor Byrne, and welcome back to That's What I Call Marketing. As you can hear, this is a slightly different episode of That's What I Call Marketing. You are still going to hear from some leading lights in the marketing world, but today is a panel episode. So as we speed towards the end of the year, I have asked some brilliant marketing minds to join me for this panel discussion. We're going to have a chat about Christmas ads, past and present, some campaigns we saw and admired in 2022, and looking ahead to 2023, some of the things we need to think about as marketers. So for this exciting, seasonal, festive panel, I'm joined by Kleena Hayes, Director of EMEA Brand Marketing at Indeed, Trish Butler, CMO of Compliance and Risk, Kevin Kent, Head of Marketing at Leia Healthcare, and Dara Byrne, CMO at Softco. I hope you enjoy. Well, listen, everyone, thanks a million for joining me on That's What I Call Marketing and our end of year panel, the first panel of That's What I Call Marketing. Um, obviously, I've kind of done, done your introductions, but I'd love to hear from, from each of you. Um, how did you end up in, in marketing and doing what you were doing? Um, Trish, I'll go to you first, if that's OK. Yeah, sure. No problem. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I ended up in marketing because um, it was part of my degree. So I did um, a business and German degree in Trinity. And um, some of the some of the subjects that I enjoyed the most were psychology, uh, strategic management and international marketing. So um, the psychology of why people do what they do, how to influence attitudes and behaviors that kind of all linked to advertising and, and marketing. And I just found that really, really interesting. Um, and yeah, when I when I was graduating then, I didn't do the whole milk round thing. I was very intimidated by that whole milk <laughs> round experience. Um, I, I knew I didn't want to go into, into a real kind of finance track, which a lot of those milk round um, things seem to be. Um, and I applied with, um, for a program with IBEC, the European Orientation okay. Program that helped put graduates on um, oh, on um, uh, into company, Irish companies looking to export internationally and give them additional hand. And that's how I ended up in marketing. So, yeah. Excellent. Rest is history. Rest is history. <laughs> Tina, how about you? You similar? Yeah. Funny, uh, Trish. Um, I also did that EOP program. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So I was like, me too. I, um, yeah, Connor. I wasn't a faller in. I think it was intentional. I definitely have always loved people, intrigued by people. Um, I did sociology and French as my undergrad. <clears throat> sociology, obviously, studying the behavior of people. Um, and then I did uh, a master's in international marketing again with French, and. Yeah. And I kind of always, maybe I didn't know it, but I think all the stars were always aligning, pushing me kind of in, yeah. in this direction. And then like Trish, exactly. So I did the EOP program, which was a grad program. I did it with Jamison Whiskey uh, in France as the kind of graduate uh, program and then came back to Ireland and, and then kind of started. Well, that was the start, but continued um, along the path. So it was intentional, it was. but maybe I didn't know about it. <laughs> yeah. 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 There was no, uh, plan maybe but i probably didn't have the words but yeah well yeah that's interesting and kevin how about you you was it always in the stars for you 
No, not not at all. So so very different to, to cleaners. So I went to college. I did commerce in UCD, and I thought I was going to be an accountant or um, do economics. But we had a lecturer at the time, David McLaughlin, um, and he used to his, his lectures were fascinating. He used to talk about brands like Cadbury's. He used to call Eddie Rockets empty pockets. And it was just fascinating what he used to do, and, and I really enjoyed it. So uh then decided accountancy wasn't for me didn't like numbers and it was marketing and then he was involved with a program the marketing development program in smurfit so went from ucd to there and yeah so it's with thanks to damien maybe um but yeah all down to him to be honest interesting dara your your path to to marketing so probably more of a faller in i would suggest <laughs> than uh than than uh, anything else, and um, so similarly, Kevin, I did a I did a BCom in UCD. Um, um, never any intention of becoming an accountant, um, and I went on um, and did marketing as part of it. Um, and uh, Damien McLaughlin also was lecturer of mine. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, ended up leaving college, went to the states, um, spent a huge amount of money and was instructed to come back by my father, who had secured a job for me in a company called All Ireland Media, media agency in Donnybrook. Um, and that's actually how I fell into, into marketing. So um, a definite faller in. <laughs> well, like you were grabbed back into it. Grabbed back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, you'd, you'd spent some time in France. Maybe we should do this in French, because you spent time in France working in Disney. Thanks, Connor. Yes, I did, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, spent some time at Disney. Making uh, Yeah, uh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, worked in a clothes shop on Main Street. Loved it, loved it. Yeah, but no, let's let's not go back there. Well, listen, it could be worse. Could be worse. I, I definitely, I fell in. I was, uh, I went to Carl Brew Street. Um, my my goal was I wanted to be a chef. And I, I, I was saying to you before, I, I nearly burnt down Rody's Bistro in their first summer by leaving pecan nuts roast in the oven overnight and woke up at four in the morning no way to get into Donnybrook um, I had to wait for the first bus and the sous chef was there with burnt nuts going is this what you're looking for and at the end of that summer Con O'Daly who was probably one of the first like celebrity chefs in in Dublin um, said to me you know maybe you should think about management <laughs> Basically, <laughs> you're not going to make it, my friend. <laughs> so definitely, I took a, yeah, there's many more uh, parts of that path, but I eventually got here. Well, listen, it, obviously a great time of year um, heading into Christmas holidays and huge amount of advertising. Something struck me earlier this, this week or maybe last week that Christmas advertising is a huge thing here. I don't know if it's as big everywhere else in the world because I heard somebody kind of explaining it to someone in the States as it's like Super Bowl ads, but like Christmas advertising is our Super Bowl advertising, I think. And I'd love to ask you, what are the ads this Christmas that you've seen that, that you love? So um, Kevin, what's, what, have, what stood out for you? Yeah, I, I think this Christmas, I, I really like the on Puss campaign. Um, so the Tin Man, um, I think it's, it's, it's really nice. It's, it's got a nice bit of emotion to it. Um, and maybe different to some of the other ads around this year, I do like the way they bring it back to their business um, and how it, how it signs off. And I really like as well that they've extended it beyond just a single piece. So I think a lot of other brands maybe do a single ad and stop there. 
where I've seen cutdowns where Tin Man's sending back a gift, there's overseas. Okay. So I, I really like to extend into a broader campaign as opposed to just a, a single execution. But but I do think the, the production behind it, the storytelling, I, I've really I really enjoyed it. Um, now I, I do like seeing some of the older ones come back as well. But I, I think in terms of the new work this year, it's probably on pause for me. That's that's that is standing out. Yeah, yeah, definitely did stand out. Tina, how about you? What's kind of standing out for you? Um, I love the unpost one too. Um, I definitely, if we're talking about new ads, because some of the yeah. old ones are the best, but I think the Asda ad with um, with uh, Will Ferrell, sorry, yes. the elf, buddy the elf, yeah. is absolutely genius in, in every way. It is entertaining. It's brought just this massive Christmas icon into their branded space. He's saying all the same lines that we know and love. Um, and it, it's just... I actually think it's completely genius and it will be one of those that will stand the test of time um, and the way that they've done it. And I think that the creatives probably took on something massively daunting because if you got it wrong, I mean, you're really walking a tightrope there, but they pulled it off spectacularly. And even so, like I called my kids, I was like, oh, look at this. <laughs> it's so good. And I watched it a few times uh, as I was looking back. So that definitely is one of the winners, as you said, it's like the Super Bowl, though. There's yeah. so much good content. But that one for me kind of really stood out going, that's smart. Yeah, that de- definitely stood out. And I actually saw, I saw him interviewed and he, I, he didn't know about ASDA. Um, I think he referred, he thought they were called ASDA, as in that's how you said the word. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I went so much so into looking about how it was made because I was like, was he actually there or was he superimposed in? I won't spoil it for everybody, but um <laughs> It's the, ma- the magic of Christmas. <laughs> Dara, how about you? What are you, what are you liking? Yeah, Tin Man as well. It was up there for me. Um, I, I think it's a really, really good ad. Um, I actually asked my daughter this question this morning um, as I was dropping her to the dart and I said, what's your favourite Christmas ad? And she said, Kevin the Carrot. Yeah. Um, she absolutely loves it. And I think that's I think it's a great campaign that they've done. Um, I think they're going to get a huge amount of um, of mileage out of it over the next number of years as well, which is the, the right thing to do. But the other one that really got me actually is the Super Value Reindeer ad. I don't mm. know, have any of you seen that? Um, I, I, th- I think it's brilliant. I think it's really good. It pulls on the heartstrings. Um, and I think as a parent, when you look at these ads, oh, it's an emotional time of the, of the year, isn't it? And when you look at these ads, you can see your kids and in, in, in a lot of them. So yeah, Super Value Reindeer for me. But but Tin Man would have been would have been would have been number one for me as well. Trish, how about you? Um, it's making me realise I don't watch Irish telly very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is obviously a problem for brands trying to reach the audience. So I haven't seen the Ampost one um, uh, or the Super Value one. Um, and funny what you're saying about, you know, the like about whether Christmas ads are the Irish kind of Super Bowl ads. Well, for me, I think like... The John Lewis ad, I know it's it's almost its own brand in itself now, yeah. the John Lewis Christmas ad. Um, I know there was some guy, I think some writer in The Guardian said it was just like the worst ad ever. It was the the music was depressing and, um, you know, what has, has it got to do with their brand? But for me, like I lived in, in London for 10 years and um, like John Lewis is just their whole business model, the way it's a mm. partnership and the way they give their profits back, share the profits back with their with their employees. Um, their ads always have heart and soul. And for me, that is something that is really, really important. And um, 
I just think that that adds, you know, it 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 is it conveys the whole, you know, social and ethical, you know, dimension of their brand. And I think that that's more and more important and becoming more and more important um, in 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 kind of a world where people are are looking for you know what's the purpose of their mm. brand what why yeah. should i why should i give you my money mm. what have you got to offer that's different you know it's not it ne- it doesn't always come down to price it's it's about mm. what they stand for and i think the john lewis one is is great and this um, the skateboard skateboard one trish is it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think what was really interesting about what they did this year, because John Lewis have usually always been fantastical, yeah, yeah. magical. And I think this is one of the trends that we're seeing. They brought it right down, scaled yeah. it right back, very authentic, very street. Yeah. All of the characters, very relatable. Um, and I do think that's very reflective of our time. And yeah. reflective of, of so I went with you, Trish. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And yeah, do you know, I was like before I was getting ready for this conversation, I was like, right, I have to like brush up on all the ads. I was like, I needed to give myself like 10, 15 minutes to, like to get over the emotional dra- trauma of it all, because all those ads really do like kind of pull at your heartstrings. But um, the other one for me, though, is is the old school um, Coca-Cola ad. The holidays oh, yeah. are coming. Like, it's just so simple. Um, like, and I was just looking at the, the sign off line. The original one was 1995. Um, and it's like nothing lights up Christmas like Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just lovely. Like, it's such a lovely ending line. And um, yeah, that for me is a real classic. So, uh, yeah, I love that. Definitely. Yeah. That, to the, just even because I, I love that, the way that works on radio, right? Because yeah. the music, yeah. you just know immediately it's that kind of fluent device um so onto onto classic ads then um Kleena, any any of the classics that you just go oh i love yeah. when i see that or i wish it was i wish it was on air uh a hundred percent like for me it's the guinness yeah. Gator. right oh, all yeah. day Definitely. every day every time i could even be like running in the door with loads of groceries and i'll just stop and start crying that <laughs> worse <laughs> at that moment it just like every time i just think that the magic that is captured in that spot. So you've got like all of obviously it's all black and white. So there's all small cues to could their product. You've got like the silence of the snow. Yeah. You've got a beautiful balance between country and cityscape. So it talks to all of us as in all Irish people. Um, and just the music and, and the way it's brought together and then just just the ending again I'm like choking up I'm just thinking <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that the sound of good and every year when it comes out it's just I just think that it's as I said it's magical and I think as a brand like it's amazing by Guinness they just are able to roll that out and, and get the same they probably get better year on year yeah um, that's definitely a home run for me definitely and I, I heard um Dave Moore, who's on Today FM, um, talk about loving that ad because his wife is in it. So every year they get a check. I wish you nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So Christmas. They get a royalty check. <laughs> yeah. I love this. Kevin, how about you on some of the yeah. classics? I, I, I'm, I'm the same as Clean. I love that Guinness ad. And I was, I was watching it again at the weekend. And it, it is that it's the silence throughout it. So mm. it isn't taken over with uh, a heavy VO. It's just, and it, it sort of brings, because it's so so quiet and atmospheric, it, it, it draws you in. 
and, and you watch it as you go through. I think the other one probably with having young kids is going back to the the Santa one where the kids discover Santa or the little girl discovers Santa. I think it's the Kellogg's Cornflakes one. Yes. Brilliant. It just, it just, it's that emotion. And, and look, maybe it's just, as you get older and you've got kids, it, it just, you, you go, yeah, that's it. Because um, my kids are getting a bit older and maybe the, the days of Santa Claus are coming to the end. So you hear it, you go, oh, yeah. Because that's what it's all about, right? Christmas is all about the kids. And yeah. it does just pull you in. It's simple. And it's, it's like Dara said earlier. I think the ads are the best ones that they can reuse every year. Like, I love the Johnny Lewis every year. Yeah, absolutely. The, the new one. But when you see these ads that are timeless that they can bring back, it, that's the real test. And so I think the, the Guinness one particularly and mm. Cornflakes one probably the second for me in terms of bringing that back. Yeah, I love I love that because her little ho 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 moment is just again kind of iconic and and it's and I think like to your point, Cap, like it's it's a brave bravery I think by a marketing department to go. This is the ad, like this is our Christmas ad, and and we're going to stick with it. Dar, how about you? Any any of those not mentioned that we? Yeah, listen, they they all made my list: Coca Cola, um, Kellogg's, ho ho ho, uh, the Guinness one as well. Two 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 others that. Um, when I was thinking about this, popped into my head. Um, and one is because of the jingle, um, and it's Penny's got a whole lot of things. Oh, yeah. No way. That's yeah, so I don't know. I, that's that's I love that. going my age now, probably. That's, that's, yeah. That's um, where you shop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the other one is the ESB going home ad. Anyone remember that one? The, um, the one the with Alan Hughes. Alan Hughes, yeah. Going home. That was the. Uh, that was um, two two other ads that uh, that uh, that came to my mind. But yeah, they go. Listen, number one, definitely Coca Cola. Absolutely brilliant, timeless. Yeah, it it really is. I was I was looking at kind of System One. Obviously, do great ad testing, and they 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 looked at kind of the attributes of a of a Christmas ad, and they they called it five five things. Yeah, so emotion, fluent device fantasy, diversity, and nostalgia. And I think the ones we've talked about touch on most of those things, possibly not diversity so much, but I think it's interesting. And actually, when you look at those five things, are you thinking, actually, they're probably the things any good ad should have, Christmas ad or not. Maybe maybe you could dial down the nostalgia piece, you know, in in more general advertising, but those things, the emotion is is key. And, And it's interesting when you look at emotion, the ads we talked about, at Christmas time, you know, we've talked about that emotion of um, almost welling up, right? But but I always find that we we can kind of struggle sometimes in marketing when we talk about emotion and people forget there's lots of other types of emotion, you know, like humor. <laughs> and that's hard to get right. Yeah. But, you know, as you think about, you know, some of the work you admire, you know, in outside of the Christmas period, are there are there any other examples of campaigns that you've really liked in twenty twenty two that might hit some of those those notes? Kina, how about you? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's part of the job that you get kind of envy of other brands who are doing stuff really really well. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, which is a good and bad emotion. I definitely <clears throat> one that sticks out for me in terms of like I wish we had we had done that is a recent campaign. I don't know if you guys have seen it from Apple called the Greatest. I'll definitely share it afterwards. So in the campaign, they're showcasing lots of people with disabilities. So it was just released uh, in in line with International um, Day of Disabilities and showing lots of different diverse people with disabilities using their technology, but in an absolutely life-changing way. And it's Apple. So it's obviously produced 
beautifully. It is completely diverse in their casting. But to show like one or to share one nugget from it, to, to give you a sense of it, if you haven't seen it. So there's one uh, mother who's hard of hearing and you can see that she's getting a an alert on her Apple watch to say that her baby is crying and she goes over and lifts up her baby. Wow. This just shows you an idea or there's another person who, who has... Um, uh, uh, doesn't have limbs and she's using the technology to help her put on her makeup but in that mother moment <clears throat> I'm a mother god we're talking a lot of parents here that <laughs> how marketing works on those emotive but that not knowing when to pick up your child or when your child needs you is such a thing that you might take for granted so they've done it beautifully it's amazing it absolutely puts their brand as mm. the hero and it is the one catalyst that is enhancing those people's lives. But what it also did, and I thought was was just quite emotional, it was it helped me as a person that doesn't have a lot of these disabilities understand these things that you take for granted and, and, and how small they are and how actually Apple is helping them. So that was one work. I thought that it, again, you walk a tightrope when you go into these kind yeah. of more difficult spaces um, to showcase underrepresented people. But I think Apple absolutely nailed it and did a spectacular job um, in this campaign. I can't wait for you all now to see it. We have to have a round too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dara, how about you? Any kind of campaigns that you look back in 22 and thought, amazing, wish I'd done that? Yeah, there's 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 probably a few, but one that really stands out is, is a recent one from Dogs Trust. Uh, called Life Sentence. I don't know if anybody's seen it, but again, it's something something I'll share afterwards. And again, it 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 it, it you know Ireland. I think it's it. What are we number one puppy farm uh, country in Europe? Something wow. unbelievable yeah. like that. Um, and actually, it's 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 all around Christmas. So um, you know, kids, families receiving little cute puppy for for Christmas. Um, um, and you know, year after year after year, showing families receiving puppies for Christmas, um, but then actually going back and seeing, well, where do these puppies actually come from, and what happens to puppies after Christmas? So it's it's it again pulls on the heartstrings, uh, different emotions, um, but quite a hard hitting ad as well. Yeah. So so that was that was one in particular that I um, that I thought was was very good. The other one that I liked actually um, was Spec Savers Outdoor Campaign. Uh, so, again, drawing on the line, should have gone to Specsavers. I don't know if you've seen the outdoor campaign they did, but in one uh, instance or one uh, uh, situation, they have the um, the ladder up against the 48 sheet, but the ladder is actually behind the 48 sheet poster itself. <laughs> so, um, and the other one, the 48 sheet is uh, is is at the wrong angle, so it's it's not. Brilliant. Yeah, it's at the wrong angle. So again, I uh, should have gone to Specs. That just I, keeps delivering for that line. That create it just there's just so much road in that hole, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. again, like how, how sorry, like how a mark like each time a new CMO comes into that role doesn't change it. I mean, that is yeah. just phenomenal. Anyway, sorry, Trish. Yeah, no, I was just going to say like what we were talking earlier about fun and humor. Like if there's two brands who know how to to make the most of that, it's Ryanair and Spec Savers. Oh. Like, you know, the just like the Ryanair um, social team are just need kind yeah. of like metal. Um, uh, <laughs> they're they're just hilarious. Like, I mean, sometimes they're a bit close to the bone and get people riled up about things. But um, yeah, those two brands, they just they're they're so, you know, I think I think. Uh, 
a lot like a lot of companies especially in the b2b world social media is a bit of an afterthought and it, you know it's like oh get the intern to look after social and post whatever mm. needs to be done but like you know ryanair just like it's 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 a huge huge part of the, yeah. the strength of their brand and um it just really sets them apart from other people and you know they've got top of mind awareness constantly and brand recall you know you, you can't beat them um because they're not cheaper than they're not always cheaper no. than Aer Lingus or or their other competitors but because they are you know constantly in the papers whether Michael O'Leary is is um saying something controversial or doing something controversial or um or their social media team are just kind of knocking it out of the park again and again um yeah they're they're brilliant but um it, it's funny like what looking at like campaigns this year so i actually i actually saw one recently um uh, earlier in the year and it was with squarespace so the yeah. like um the website building app um and they used zendaya zendaya uh the actress as part of their campaign and um so there's there's something it was brilliant so so the the campaign really had kind of zendaya as the the customer at the heart of their campaign with real life examples of their product in action and so she was sally selling seashells by the seashore and and you know how she wasn't selling too many seashells so then she expanded and created her website and her instagram page and then she diversified into seashell necklace necklaces and you know but it was it was great like because it was fun it's memorable i wonder if it would be as memorable if they didn't have zendaya in it but um it just really showed the product in use um and kind of championed a small business and and their growth and and uh business expansion i just thought it was really really nice so yeah yeah i'd forgotten about that's a great one and actually with some of the examples like the product being central to the advertising is as key kevin how about you any for 22 yeah that's right too like i maybe i spend too much time doing it but you know we try and reverse engineer the ad to understand what's the brief behind (laughs) what was what's the, the insight behind it and two of them that i think really worked well uh, one's maybe going back to what we keep talking about as families is the Denny, um, uh, only when Denny will do. So it's it's, a, it's about a new couple bringing uh, the grandchild around to granny and granddad for the first time. And the granddad keeps getting pushed to the side. He's trying to prepare the food for them. And it's only at that stage when the, the parents sit down to enjoy their, their Denny, does he get to hold the grandchild for the first child. And, it, you know, it's, it's just that emotion, but it, it's so relatable to that's a scene that must take place in, in households yeah. all over the world all the time. And, and you can see in terms of the insight was built on. And the other one I, I really loved this year was Sky's, I believe, for the, the women's oh. um, mm-hmm. football team. I just I think it was simplicity. It was superb. Um, and, and now how I believe has become nearly part of the language. Uh, and, and I think, you know, if you look at the story behind that team and where they come from, like, I believe really just it's perfect for them. Yeah. And what they where they've come from, what they've achieved, and hopefully where they're going to go next year. So, I just think that's that's been superb, and it's like the outer executions are just impactful. I think it's been superb, and even you know when you when you listen to the the, the conversations with the team and the management after the qualified, and that's been used in that piece from, from a brand's perspective. That's what that's what you want, you know, where you become part of the of the narrative. Yeah, they did a great job there, and pick like a picking that sponsorship up, but then yeah. activating it and and really. Well, believing in it, I, I, I guess. Um, one of the things actually, just as you were talking, Trisha, about um, Zendaya, I, I read that one of 
2022's most important marketers was Lizzo. I was oh, like, wow. oh, wow. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's, I didn't expect that. I can understand it. Like, you know, the reach and, and everything, but, but how we're starting to see that kind of crossing over of, you know, celebrity to becoming marketers, to be, you know, because they've got such a, such a voice, but then there's a huge risk associated yeah. with celebrity. Have, have you, have any of you worked with celebrities in, in any of your roles, whether they be local or, or international? Yeah. Um, well, I was lucky enough to work with Shane Lowry um, and uh, when I was at Amidas and um, yeah, we were really lucky because, well, yeah, we were lucky because at the start when he signed when with us, we uh, he he wasn't doing so great in the ranking, <laughs> in the world rankings. So, um, you know, it, that gave us time to kind of like build up, you know, um, activity and stuff. And then, you know, he um, he then went on to win the Open like two years into the, the into a three year deal. So it was just fantastic. But uh, and fantastic for the brand, you know, people who um, I would meet. You're like, Amidas, how do I know? I've seen your logo. I, oh, what, you know, um, and it was always, always kind of uh, down to Shane. Um, but luckily, um, it is, it is quite, you know, a, it is a big chance or a risk you're taking yeah. with a celebrity or an influencer because it can go one way or another. Um, and, you know, I think th the thing to consider is, 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 you know, how can you work with that person, that individual, if they're not on, on a platform at some stage? So for us, you know, Shane, is a lovely lovely guy he's a lovely person so um and we were you know targeting global cfos um ceos in in uh the business that i was in and so that demographic really enjoy golf and golf events so having golf events inviting partners and prospects and customers where they could get a master class with him was just fantastic so that was kind of you know um under the radar um and then you know it was the icing on the cake then when he went and won the open um but yeah i mean it can go very wrong like i mean there's yeah. I'm sure we all have at least 10 examples that we could pull out of, you know, where um, things went drastically wrong when celebrities, footballers or me like or whatever have gotten themselves into um, trouble and it just negatively affects affects brands. But um, I think brands have been a lot quicker now to, to pull back from those deals. And um, so, yeah. yeah, I think the Kanye one this year obviously was oh, the, yeah. the big yeah. one where you're kind of going, oh, wow, like that that just went really badly, really quickly. And then mm -hmm. did, you know, brands pulled away, but maybe not, not fast enough. Some of them were definitely criticized for it, but it was, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it, it can go, it can definitely go terribly, terribly wrong. Have, I, have any others worked with kind of well-known personalities? We, yeah. We've done a, a bit of work with, with Johnny Sexton. Um, oh, and yeah. I must say, like, like Trish said, I think once you get to know them and what they're comfortable with, it, it makes a huge difference because mm. I think definitely that we were on a journey with him. Maybe at the start, we tried to get him to work and do what we want to do. But once we understood it from his perspective and where he is there, it's, it's offered us a huge amount. And like, if you look at what, where he is in terms of the stage of his career, playing the rugby he's playing and what he's doing and as, as a leader and a motivator for the team, it, it's worked really, really well for us. But like, you, you do have to understand them, what it's, what's important to them and what will they do and they won't do. Mm. 
Um, Johnny isn't very active on social, but that's, right. that's then about adapting it and saying, yeah. okay, well, we're not just doing this so that Johnny will talk about us on social channels because that's yeah. not why we, we have him as a partner. You know, yeah. we have him for a partner for, as what he stands for and what he represents and to try and see can, as a brand, can we benefit from that? So, you know, once we came to that realization, I think we we're getting far more value from that partnership um, than maybe we did at the start where it was like, right, Johnny, post this on social, for, say this. Yeah. That's not authentic. And if it's not authentic, then it's, it's, it's not going to work for you. Yeah. 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 I was just wondering, Kevin, do, do, like we also use Shane as part of our internal comms strategy. And so, you know, because I'm a firm kind of believer that brands are built from the inside out. So, you know, um, like we used to have Shane on kind of internal town halls and stuff like that. And it would really get people excited to know about someone who came from a small town and awfully like, you know, make it to the big time. And that was really good for like employee engagement as well. And, and the internal brands. Yeah. Yeah. See, we have a slight challenge there, right? Because so we're a Cork company, head office in Cork. Um, a lot of the company live and work in Cork. Bringing a Leinster rugby player in, <laughs> it kind of doesn't go down too well. Um, so we've been on a, an interesting path with Leinster rugby. We've look, we've added Monster and Connick now, so everyone's happy now. Um, but yeah, how did he get in the door in the first place? Then <laughs> you know, we didn't we didn't tell anyone about it for a long time. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, it's a and I, one of the things I think interesting when you're when you're working with people like that is I think to the point you're making is getting close to to them understanding them and actually getting past some of the agents that you have to deal with because I've, I've found that we've had that before where you know they're like no no so and so won't do this they won't do this and then you have a conversation with them they're like oh yeah no ha- happy to do that so it's, it is when you build that relationship it, it really works and um, just as we kind of kind of tied to sport and, and just reflecting on, on the year gone by one of the events that had the potential for huge opportunities but some brands got criticized for their involvement with it was the women's euros so incredible occasion you know really um the first time we'd seen that event with so much tv coverage so much publicity but some of the brands got picked up on their pay transparency and pay equality um so they were out there supporting this event but at the same time they were they were being criticized for that i know for example linkedin definitely got some some criticism at the time for for partnering how do you think a brand should, I guess, address that? Because there's two paths. One, you go, well, we're not perfect, so we walk away from it. Or one is, we're not perfect, but we're going to support it and actually have a strong point of point of view. Tina, do you have any thoughts on, on that for how a brand should approach those situations? Yeah, I think you, you kind of nailed it at the beginning. I think that there are so many brands that will like rainbow wash or that will put up pink logos for, you know, International Women's Day. And then you actually look behind the marketing department to say, this is what everyone wants, who's 18 to 34 or or whatever it is. And then you'll see there are pay discrepancies between genders or there are HR policies that aren't uh, aligned to it. So I think that's the biggest watch out is that you can't go, oh, this is amazing. Let's sponsor women and be seen to, you know, get involved in the World Cup. And then it's not dissipated throughout your whole organization. I think that you will uncover potentially within different organizations that everybody hasn't gotten it right. And we are trying to catch up on historical norms that were accepted that are no longer accepted. And some are faster to 
parity or to you know better uh, HR policies than others for for lots of different reasons. I think that if there is you know assume positive intent um, from a lot of these companies. Uh, and that they're trying to get there. And I think if you show your employees, if you show people that you are making concerted efforts to get there and over communicating in ways that these are difficult because of X, Y, and Z, but we're trying and making efforts. I think that's important. So brands need to certainly walk the walk. Um, and if they want to talk the talk, you can't do that until you ensure that you're that you're matching what you're saying and that your values are coming through. So I definitely think that you, you can't uncover something as big as 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 those pay inequalities, um, you know, if you're if you're not doing it yourselves. Yeah, on a path to to doing it. And and Dara, interestingly, I know at Softco you you kind of started with women's hockey, and then this year brought in brought in men's hockey into into those. Yeah. So you kind of almost took a very different approach to to your sponsorships, and I wanted to focus on the the women's sport first. Yeah, and probably neither really intentional, if I have to be honest. Um, you know, I think if we go back to Kevin, one of the things you mentioned earlier on about Sky sponsoring the women's football team, uh, Trish, you talking about Shane Lowry, and even with us sponsoring the uh, women's hockey team, there's a huge amount of luck involved in 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 in, in those sponsorships. You know, you, you, there's no guarantees when you end up sponsoring a team or an individual as how, as, you know, are they going to be successful? Are they going to mess up? Um, so we were, I think, in the right place at the right time. And, and, and back in 2018, the, the, the women's team ended up in the, in the final um, of the Hockey World Cup, which was, which was fantastic. Um, and, it, you know, it's, it continues to service really, really well, qualifying for the Olympics. Um, and an opportunity came up to sponsor the men's team and we decided, well, well, let's do it. Um, and in fact, it was the it was Hockey Ireland that came out, not us. And they said, you know, it's great to see a brand that is now sponsoring the men's team, um, um, you know, equally on the you know on the same basis as they're sponsoring the ladies' team. So it's great. Um, and uh, we're also sponsoring the development squad as well. So um, brilliant. Yeah, it's a, it's a great partnership. Yeah, and I and I think maybe kind of similar to what Trish was saying about. Amidas, I think there's a huge amount of awareness of Softcomb and it's like, oh, I've heard of them. And like, that's, yes. look, that's, that's part of it, right? We need to make sure that we're, we're getting into that, the memory structures. Um, right. uh, so moving on to, to what's coming ahead, 2023, um, always ex- exciting time of the year. I'm sure everyone's deep in planning budgets um, spreadsheets. That's my favorite part of marketing. And um, what, what are the, what, for you are kind of the, the the big kind of topics that you're looking looking to think about next year and, and solve for Kevin what, what's kind of top of mind for you yeah like so look, there's a lot of people talking this time of year too about like say budgets and what they're going to be next year and what they're going to be up and go down and then there's the, the challenges too from a cost-based perspective and and I do think one of the key pieces for us is is that relationship between brands or the client and their agency um, and trying to trying to work through that in terms of to to make it work to make it work really really well right so because from on the brand side you have the, the the conversations with finance about budgets and what have to, to be and you know depending on your industry if they're going up staying flat or going down and then you got to be appreciative too on the, on the agency side so their cost base are going up mm-hmm. so whether that's team costs um, running costs etc 
and, and it's trying to find that ground too that cost doesn't become a conversation topic between you and, and the agency because when cost becomes the conversation topic I, I think the conversation is is in a bad place so, so for, for me the big piece is how do we work better with our partners next year what do we do with them um, what can we do in terms of taking the learnings from this year in terms of what works well but then being appreciated from their side because we can see you know, a lot of our agencies are based in Dublin. They have the recruitment challenges, the, the talent challenges with some of the large employers up there. Them maintaining a team is, is hard. So you're trying to work on the relationships with people that are there and being understanding of that too. So so definitely from my point of view next year, the agency piece is, is, is going to be a key part of that and, and, and working and developing those relationships a bit, a bit more. Can I ask, I'd love to ask everyone else on the panel about this as well, actually, because I, I, I think that, agency relationship is is so crucial and and i've been lucky to work in agencies and have seen when it can work really well and when it's just transactional right and and so what are the what are some of the things clean that you're doing to kind of really get close to the agencies and help them understand your world well i think that's yeah that's exactly it i think it's that it's a partnership that it needs to, and you've always got to be putting the mirror up to yourself. Am I being as good a partner? Am I giving them all the information that I have? Or am I expecting them to do something on kind of half of the information because they don't have access to that? And we're the gateway to ensure that they're only as good as we can can make them. So I think that's very important. I mean, ensuring that we're over-communicating is very important to make them as successful as possible or to help them help themselves. Um, and I think that's it. I I mean, we have lots of different agencies at, at lots of different levels of of success, or you know, other other partnerships that need work. Um, I think that it's just communication is key, understanding what the needs are from their side, from our side. And the more, I mean, it's just like any old relationship. It's like our marriage, it's <laughs> our parents, everybody. But it is communication is 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 the biggest, most important part. And I think trust as well. Uh, and trust doesn't happen automatically. So I think those beginning stages within when you're working with an agency to over index, to really try and build those trusts uh, is very important because then when you hit that lovely plateau where you're in a really good trusting place, that's when you're... Um, isn't it storming and performing? Yeah, yeah. Trish, how about you with the agencies you're working with? What are, what are kind of the some of the, the key things you've done to make that successful? Um, yeah, so, um, well, we were really lucky, actually. So our our um, digital agency, we won a, a digital media award there a few months ago for our website. And we're delighted. First time ever in my whole career. Uh, so I was really thrilled <laughs> with that. I saw but, that. Um, um, we, yeah, I mean, I guess, so we just, yeah, it's communication, like Kleena said, it's, you know, frequent communication, helping them understand the business and, and what your job is. So, I mean, I worked um, agency side for 10 years. And one thing my boss at the time used to say is you do realize that the most interesting part of our clients' day is when they speak to us. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, it can't be that bad. But now, <laughs> now I'm client side. I'm like, well, actually it is quite exciting when you're speaking to your agency. So it's a lot, it's, you know, it's the creative part of your job. Like, you know, what are you creating? How are you bringing your message to the market? Um, and um, but I think sometimes agencies can be a bit disconnected from the actual business results that you need to achieve. So you might get lost in the detail of, you know, 
um you know whether the the music is right on a video or whether you know the the font is wrong or the logo is too big or too small that kind of all that stuff but you know just bringing it back to okay so my main objective on a quarterly basis to, is to deliver 30% of the pipeline to grow our our company and hit our our bookings targets for the year. So that is that is what I'm focused on all the time. Um and if they don't understand that then they can end up recommending things that are just not really a, a priority or important. Um and you don't want to waste their time because you know time is money, paid by the hour, all that kind of thing. Um but I think one thing for me is going into next year is trying to figure out in in-house versus agency and how to get that balance right so you know budgeting we just got um budget to 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 um get an in-house content writer and designer which we didn't have before this is my third year of a marketing de- going into my third year of a marketing department in compliance and risks um and we're on, on a, a very kind of high growth trajectory at the minute so one of the biggest challenges i've found is that agencies now um it takes a quite a long time to get into the onto the roster or sorry onto the uh rota of work so mm. you know it, we have a certain amount of um we have um sorry a retainer of a certain amount a month because of the st- size of our company and the budgets i have at the moment but that means that our, the work that we do for the week is scheduled into a specific day mm-hmm. and a certain number of hours in the week and in the month um and that's really unflexible for us now i understand they have to manage their business that way but um i've ended up going back to kind of you know agencies in iceland and london that i worked with in the past to get work done because i know them for 15 20 years and they'll help me like that because you know um instead of you know trying to to wait until they can fit us in because i can't commit yeah. to a higher retainer yeah at the moment so yeah so um, and that's where kind of the free like some freelance models can can work we were talking about you know yeah. Un and peter and the indie list and you know some great opportunities there i know where, where we work at indeed there's a, a wonderful freelance designer that we've used for a long time who's really flexible really fast mm. and really good yeah. like he does all the things you know that he can't have all three he does all three brilliantly yeah like, um, like, yeah tom yeah, um, shout out tom jackson i think Jerry uses him well. <laughs> Dar- yeah, as you are looking into 2023 20, Dar, what are kind of some of the, the top things for you that you're thinking about trying to plan for I think there's, there's 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 two sides to this one is the things that we're trying to plan for as a business and then the other thing is what are the other interesting things that I think uh, people need to look out for in 2023? So for, for, for us as a business, I actually don't think things are going to fundamentally change into 2023. I think the things that have started in 2021 and 2022 are going to continue and maybe gather some pace. So obviously, you know, zero party data, online privacy, that's going to continue. It's something we need to keep an eye on. It's something we need to, you know, really uh, um, prepare for, I think, Voice search and visual search are, are are things that we need to be conscious of. Um, they're not going to explode, I don't believe, but they're going to gather um, and more momentum as we get into 2023. Um, I think an ongoing challenge for us as an organization, I think it's something that I've mentioned to you, Trish, before, is is attribution. So lead attribution from a from a B two B perspective. I think that's something that we 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 struggle still with as a as an industry, but as an organization, certainly that's something that I need to I need to get better at. And I think we as we 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 as an industry probably need to get better at. Um, 
But the one thing that I think is going to be really interesting to keep an eye out for is Netflix and Netflix ads in 2023. Um, I think that's going to be really, really interesting. Um, I see that Tam Ireland, the television body, so obviously a keen interest in this, given my my history um, in in television. But um, they came out with some consolidated data, which compared, it was kind of a bit defensive, I thought, but was comparing (laughs) the Irish broadcasters combined and their on-demand services combined against the likes of Netflix and, and, and some of the others combined. But I think the UK Barb data is even more interesting in terms of, you know, how the likes of Netflix um, are performing against the the, 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 the other television stations. Um, and if you look at Netflix in the UK, you're looking at an average of 20 minutes being viewed of Netflix per day, which is, is greater than Channel 4 at 17 minutes per day. So I think that's going to be really, really interesting to see how not the viewership progresses. And I think the measurement is going to be key, but just how Netflix ads actually um, infiltrates or, 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 or what impact that has on, on the o- overall um, um, audiovisual market, for the want of a better word. It's had about less than the 95 minutes on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, well, but that's interesting to say, because, I mean, just jumping in, like when I think about, you know, 2023, obviously we could talk about, you know, the recession and marketing in the era of a recession. Uh, we work in a, uh, in a role across lots of different markets and lots of different markets are different places. We're doing quite well here in Ireland. Um, but obviously that's, that's a huge thing, I think, on all marketers' desks. Like, can we invest if we should invest to, to steal that market share and stuff? But other more kind of... Well, the exciting uh, things that, that we're definitely seeing is this bubble up culture. And I was actually going to jump in when you were talking about Johnny Sexton there and Shane Lowry and just the, the, the celebrity aspect. What, what we're seeing and what's being you know documented across uh, a lot of a lot of the literature that we're reading is this bubble up culture. So this <clears throat> idea of we have obviously a huge amount of uh, audience fragmentation and splintering of attention and a lot of what you know used to be a trickle down from all of these Zendayas and, and celebrities is now kind of bubbling up from all of these emerging communities that we're seeing online. And that's where culture is actually starting, is kind of more of a ground up. As I said, you know, look at TikTok 95 minutes. Um, I don't know where that is on TikTok a day. I think that's that's globally. Look at Mr. Beast, like a hundred million followers on YouTube. So looking at these influencers there that are more powerful than celebrity that are on um, that are on all of these social channels, it's just really phenomenal. So what we're doing is trying to ensure that we're on all of these platforms, that we're kind of at that grassroots level. And I think that's um that's really interesting. And what we spoke about at the beginning, you know, after obviously we've had Black Lives Matter and the global pandemic and people's radar for bullshit has gone way down. <laughs> and I think when we talked about John Lewis, I'm like, mm, maybe we'll go beep. No, I think it's brilliant. I think about the John Lewis ad, and that's something I kind of said at the beginning, they pulled it right back because this quest for authenticity, this radar of like, don't be giving me shiny diamonds when I need, you know, when I need to put milk on the table. And, um, so I think that that is 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 definitely a shift. It's definitely a movement, and I think, again, throwing out a stat, but um, you know, we're, we're we're deep in this at the moment. But I think seventy five percent of marketers from from a, a work thing that I read are are increasing their spend on the likes of TikTok 
and decreasing their spends on, on, on some others. I'm not going to go against TV, Dara, yeah. but like, <laughs> like the Facebooks and, and we know what's you know, the reckoning of big tech and, and that's what we said about it. But I think that's a really, really uh, interesting cultural shift that's happening and mm-hmm. um, that for marketers, we need to be really aware of because the influence is shifting. Um, we're, we're coming close to, to the end. This has been amazing. I, I'd love to, there's so much that we've covered here. How do you, each of you keep on top of marketing, the trends? Like, what are you reading? Is there a book that you've read recently or the things you're listening to that you would recommend to someone listening um, today? Daryl, I'll start with you. Yeah, look, I, I think um, for me, it's, 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 I try and read as much as I can. Uh, you know, we're a Gartner client. There's, there's huge and great resources um, um, that come with that. Um, but there's a great podcast out there, actually, um, called The Uncensored CMO. He's um, going to say that. Like, he just- <laughs> <laughs> That's my top one, too, John Evans. Like, he's amazing. Yeah, John he's Evans, amazing. brilliant, brilliant. Really, really good. Really good. One of the best ones out there, I think. Uh, There's probably so, no uh, need for any other marketing podcasts. Probably not. No, no, There's probably room not. for everybody. There's room for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Keita, how about you? Yeah, I think John Evans is brilliant from System One. He's obviously got a lot of heavy hitters uh, in the stable, like Orlando Wood and, and some mm. of those. So that really helps. And um, But this... I'm listening to, that's what I call marketing, is a, a really great guests uh, and really good learnings. Uh, Warwick, have a great podcast. Just thinking of some, I'm all podcasts, sweathead. I kind of go for a walk in the morning and that's my intake time. But I have tried to recently read like an article a day and just like, no matter what that yeah. is, if it's like the best Christmas ads or if it's like how to change your media weights in a recession, like whatever it is. I've tried to get a bit diligent on that because it can waver then after time and you feel a little bit, it, there's nothing truer in marketing than it is ever changing. And you yeah. have to massively work on staying ahead of the curb and um, because it's very quickly, you can become redundant. Yeah, 100%. Kevin, how about, how about you? What are the things you're... Yeah. So like, I actually haven't read any marketing books this year. Um, and the same with Kleena, like it's all podcasts. Um, so absolutely, I think Connor, your podcast this year has been superb. I think like Emer, Johnny, Damien have been brilliant. The other one I really like is On Strategy by um, mm. Fergus O'Carroll. I, I think he's, he's, he's superb. And again, he's mixing it up in terms of both the client and the agency side, looking back and also reference some of the work that's coming through on work. Uh, and the, the other thing I've done is to set up a list on Twitter with different people that I follow and I try to spend 10 minutes a day going through what they're looking at. <laughs> um, maybe we're not like mentioning Twitter anymore, but, but <laughs> yeah. just in terms of uh, using what articles that people are sharing, going, right, yeah. I'm just going to use them as my curators and say, look, spend 10 minutes. What are they sharing? Um, and in some cases, it's, you know, it's, it's the likes of Peter, Peter Field, Ritson, et cetera. And then other, it's more... Um, other CMOs and marketers and what they're sharing and just trying to read those articles um, just trying to find 10, 15 minutes a day, but it's, it's, it's fitting in. I, I clearly mentioned Sweathead. I think that's superb. I think I, I, he's got a great sense of humor. Um, I like that if you're out for a run or a walk, it's, it's good to, to be laughing and listening along as well. So <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's some of it. Trish, how about you? Um, yeah, I haven't read any um, books, any marketing books this year or or listened to any podcasts, to be honest. I think um, the, there's been two things that have been like um, really, really important for me this year in terms of uh, staying on top of things and um, and being more effective as a marketer. Um, 
Uh, the first thing w is about getting closer to the board so and the investor community. So, you know, we were acquired last year um, by um, a private equity company in the States, Luminate Capital Partners, and um, really trying to understand what it is that they want to, to see in order to be able to invest further in, in the business and in marketing as well is really, really important. I think sometimes um, in the world of marketing, we can get completely swallowed up in marketing. And so, yeah. it, you know, we have this constant struggle of we never feel like we are heard at the, at the board level and we feel like we don't have the investment that we need. So for me, it's about getting closer to the board and understanding what it is that their priorities are with the business to be able to help support that. Um, we had a board meeting last week um, and, you know, a whole kind of year's worth of work gets distilled down into two slides. <laughs> and, you know, but but they were like, well, this is great. We're, we're going to get our other portfolio companies to uh, the marketing leaders to report in this way because it's very clear that what you're doing and whether it's working or not. Yeah. So, um, so that's one thing. And the other thing this year for me was exec coaching and like, um, and, and looking after how to look after myself better. So, um, being able, you know, I used to kind of totally burn myself out trying to read every single thing, trying to stay on top of everything, trying to keep my inbox down to like <laughs> five unread emails. I think I'm at two and a half thousand now. So, um, but you know, just like you, that coach has helped me to prioritize looking after myself better, ho hobbies, um, time to think, and um, it's 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 made me more effective and being able to focus better um, than when it comes to actual work. So they're the two things for me this year. Not reading I any books. You, you said it's so right. Like when we worked with Paul Durvin, I know he's a friend of the podcast, but like <laughs> you did like forty-five books in one day that you were meant to read. No, and I can't be dealing with there'd that. There'd be so many books. And you'd be like, babes, I can't even look <laughs> at the magazine and look at the pictures. I don't have that time. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah but, also, like, different, but I think that's it. You've got to find a, a medium that yeah. that works for you. So if you go for yeah. a walk, which is what I do, because I need to get my walk and you're able to consume a podcast, or if you sit in front of the computer and, and you prefer an article, or if it's yeah. a book. I think that's the thing that there's information on every single medium and whatever yeah. works for your life. That's the way or audible books as well. Yeah. yeah. But what Dara was saying as well, like, you know, um, I've started getting involved more with CMO networking um, mm. events. So I went to one here in Dublin recently. I went to one in London um, about three weeks ago and I sat down opposite a guy who was my client 15 years ago. And I was like, uh -huh. Oh my God, uh -huh. <laughs> I haven't seen him. So, you know, when I met him, first he was like a grad and now he's CMO of like a 5,000 person company so we were able to swap stories and swap agency details and you know and help because I think so, yeah sometimes it can be um, a bit lonely in the C in the CMO world, so it's it's yeah. great to have to actually have just practical conversations with people instead of like strategy books and all this kind yeah. of stuff. So, yeah, you know, that's what it says there. But how does it? You know, how did you really do that? Did you really invest that much money? And like, yeah, oh, yeah, no, was it sixty forty? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, look, it's and I think it, you know the connections and the curiosity from connections as well, and having conversations yeah. with people is. Is key and thank you all so much for your time today to give us your views on christmas ads 2022 marketing and, and what people can look forward to in 2023 really enjoyed the conversation with you and hope you have a 
get, get some time to get a, a rest and look after yourselves over the, the Christmas break. Thank you, Connor. Thank you. Thanks, Vinny Connor. Thanks, Emil. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of That's What I Call Marketing. A huge thanks to my panellists today, Kleena Hayes, Trish Butler, Kevin Kent and Dara Byrne. I will be back in the new year with some new episodes of That's What I Call Marketing. Until then, I hope you've enjoyed listening this year. And thanks to all my guests who've made this such an enjoyable experience. And to all of you for listening. Until next time, from me, your host, Connor Byrne, thanks very much for listening.